It's really neat how it happened. We're finishing our, our talks through the book of Haggai this morning. And it's so awesome that God would set us up for Haggai's fourth message works perfectly for Palm Sunday in the Easter season. You might think someone thought about it before they planned it, but it really lined up well. Um, the, the main theme and idea today is that God is the author and the main actor in the story of redemption. Aren't you glad that he's both the author and he's the main actor? Amen? That, sure, you and I have a part to play. We have gifts and graces and talents and abilities. Sure, you and I are integral to his plans and his purposes, but at the end of the day, God is the author and the main actor. It doesn't all depend on us. Amen? What's super awesome is that Haggai has preached to this small ragtag bunch that's returning from exile, tails between their legs, and he's challenged them to put God's priorities above their own. How many need to hear that message regularly? He's challenged them to persevere, to be strong, and to do the work that God had for them. How many need perseverance on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis? And then Haggai, Pastor Katie preached last week, he challenged them to, to pursue a kind of lifestyle that is purity and holiness in every part of the life. How many know that God wants to infuse every square inch of our existence with his holiness, with his love, with his purposes? So Haggai's been challenging the people, priorities, presence and perseverance, purity, and now this fourth passage. He gives them a perspective, a perspective that will change the game of their life. So if you would stand with me one more time, I want to read this passage out loud. This is the fi- fourth and final message of the, from the book of Haggai. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the powers of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his own brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord. I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. Father, as we stand before your word, I ask that the Holy Spirit would take words off of pages and write them on the parchment of our hearts. I pray that you would penetrate our hearts with the revelation of this king that Haggai prophesied was coming, who would wear a ring of sovereign rule and authority over nations. I pray that our eyes would be open to see the beauty and revelation of Jesus this morning. It would melt our hearts and then remake our hearts and then send us out into the world to carry authority in a life-giving way that bears resemblance of the King who holds it all in His hands. God, let this Word burn in our hearts. Mark us as a people who wear this ring of authority well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
we see right out of the gate, you can be seated, that the message from Haggai, this fourth message, is different than the previous three. In the previous three messages, he's been addressing three spheres of people. The governor, Zerubbabel, from the tribe of Judah. Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And he's been addressing the people. But in this message, Haggai has a prophetic word, not for all three, but for one, the governor. And not just the governor, Zerubbabel. Remember the prophetic, when we read prophetic literature, there is that, that, that fulfillment in stages. He's speaking directly to the governor, to the ruler, to the one who has authority to govern and to guide this exilic community towards God's purposes. So already the message is different in scope and nature. This is to the governor. This is to the one who comes from the tribe of Judah. And unlike the previous messages where God challenged them to think about their ways and to pursue purity and to to, to, to reorient their hearts, to do the work of building. This message is riddled with promises of not what God's people will do, but what God will do when he acts. you got to see this word. Because so many of us in the church, you know, we, we confuse who's the main author and the main actor, and then we get bogged down and broken. But we have to have perspective to see that we serve a God who, when he says it, he shows up and does it. There's a God who even when we falter and fail because of our brokenness or bankruptcy, He will never fail to fulfill His word and His promises. This has to be foundational reality in your life because at some point you and I grow tired and weary. But how many of you know there is one who neither slumbers nor sleeps? Whose righteous right hand will accomplish His purposes should all cast their vote against him and reject the one he chooses, the one he chooses will still emerge triumphant. Look again at the message. I broke it down easy for you. I'm going to shake heaven and earth. Who's going to shake? I will overturn royal thrones. Who's going to overturn? I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Who's going to do it? I will make you like a signet ring. Who's he going to do? What's he going to do? God, you get the answer. <laughs> I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. This fourth and final prophecy of Haggai paints the picture for the exiles, the immediate audience, and Cornerstone Church, the distant audience, that when God promises to act, you can be sure he will be faithful to uphold his end of the deal. And I want to just zero in on this, this piece of the signet ring. On that day, declares the Lord, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. Now what is significant about this prophetic promise? What's a signet ring all about? A belonging, signature, authority, authority, royal power, and dominion to rule and to reign. Amen. So God promises this, this, this hodgepodge, tail between their leg, broken community trying to rebuild God's temple, that there is one who is coming who's going to hold authority over nations. Amen. Uh, the prophet Daniel saw a, the same vision as Haggai. 
one like the Son of Man who approached the Ancient of Days, led into His presence. He, the Son of Man, was given authority and glory and sovereign power over all nations. This is what we sang about all morning. People of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And we all said amen. The promise of Haggai chapter 2, 20 through 23 is that God is going to act. More specifically, God is going to act through Jesus. More specifically, when God acts through Jesus, He's going to restore humanity. This is the promise that God gives this prophet Haggai. What is He going to restore when He touches humanity through His sovereign rule and power? He's going to restore our identity from orphans bound and broken to sons and daughters of the living God. He's going to restore our authority that was thwarted and given over because of our sin and rebellion and place the robe of his righteousness and the ring of his regal authority on our finger. And he's going to restore our purpose, which is threefold, to know Christ, to be an ambassador of his kingdom, and to disciple nations in the way of Jesus. This is the promise that God gave this descendant of Zerubbabel. Jesus is going to inaugurate God's kingdom. He's going to overthrow rulers, thrones, and powers. This is what Palm Sunday is all about. When he rolls into Jerusalem and Hosanna and the palm branches, all of Israel was hoping, here's his moment, the moment of revolution. When Jesus comes in the spirit of David with a sword and an army and amasses great power and overthrows Rome. And what shocks us today is what shocked them infinitely more then, that Jesus was not going to be the typical king. He wasn't going to wield and wear authority, this ring that Haggai prophesied, the same way all of the kings and kingdoms operate and function before him. He's going to be different. He's going to wear the signet ring, but he's going to wield its power in a different way. Come on, somebody say amen. He's a different kind of king. The prophecy is that Jesus is going to be king over all kings and the bearer and bringer of God's eternal kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. This is why Jesus' first message, read it on the screen with me. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the question remains, how will Jesus do it? How will God act through Jesus? All of the I wills and the I ams and the I chose you from Haggai, how is God going to accomplish his royal purposes through his royal son? Well, we know right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, remember when he was led into the wilderness by the devil? What was he tempted to do? Turn stones into, go on to the pinnacle of the temple and, and then taken on a hillside to see all of the kingdoms of the world if he'll just bow down and worship the enemy. If you look at the wilderness testings in this light, that all of them were about Satan trying to get Jesus to establish his kingdom like every other king and kingdom before him. Let me say it like this. You'll see it right away. Stones to bread represents the economic route. Right? Jumping off the temple and impressing the masses represents the populace, the popularity, the, the political. Right? 
Get enough people in your corner, you'll be good to go. Shake your head at me. Amassing all of the kingdoms in the world to exert authority and dominion and power represents the militaristic route. Violence through force. Smash the opposition. But what we see in Jesus is that at every turn in temptation, Jesus says, thanks but no thanks. Because if I inaugurate a kingdom like every other king before me, when someone more powerful comes behind me, they'll be able to overthrow my kingdom. But because Jesus resisted the devil and chose to obey the Father, he becomes the conduit through which God's royal authority is restored to the earth. His kingdom can come to he- on heaven, from heaven to the earth through the Son who wielded authority like no other king or man before him. Christ came to restore God-given authority to humanity. Did you know, look at your neighbor and say, you have unbelievable authority given to you by God. Authority to choose, to shape, to make, to create stuff. You've been given authority. You bear the mark of God on your life. Did you know you're sitting next to someone who bears the image of God? Jesus' ministry in fulfillment of Haggai's fourth and final prophetic message, was that God would raise up one from the line of Judah. Just go read Genesis 49 and Genesis 12. I don't have time. They're all pointing to Jesus. That's why Zerubbabel matters. But Jesus came to restore God's original intention and plan for the world. This is what those crowds shouting Hosanna wanted him to do, but he didn't do it the way they expected. So, we got quick work to do. Everyone get your, I got my new running shoes on. Woo! We're going to make quick work. I will provide all of these notes in an email, so don't freak. But we got some work to do. I want to show you how all of Jesus' ministry restores reinterprets God's original intention for humanity in the world. Is that cool? So, so how many have ever heard of the thing called the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Remember, Jesus' first message is about repentance. Stop. Whatever road you're on, rethink. Turn. Heaven's breaking in and my kingdom with it. Then Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I, I, it's Jesus's demonstrating his authority to teach God's word. It's breathtaking. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give your shirt and your coat. Don't commit adultery. Don't lust with your eyes. Make amends with someone who's taking you into court because you owe them a few pennies. It's a breathtaking sermon. Don't judge. Get rid of all the hypocrisy, the log in your eyes so you can see the speck in your brothers. Amen. Jesus had authority to teach God's word. You've heard it said, but I tell you. Everyone say, Jesus had authority to teach. At the end of this great sermon that you can go back to our talks, we've talked about it before. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he what? He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Remember, the whole message we're talking about Haggai's sermon, that God would raise up somebody who would hold the signet ring in his hand. A king would come who would possess and operate in authority to be the king of the kingdom. 
And next, this gets me so fired up. Matthew shows us that Jesus doesn't just have authority to talk. Even though when Jesus talks, it's pretty stinking cool. Can I get an amen? I love his teachings. But Jesus did not just have authority to teach. He had authority to operate in the power of the kingdom. Are you tracking with me? So not only could he teach, but he had authority to heal, deliver, to set free, and forgive. Jesus had authority to teach the kingdom of God and to enact and do the kingdom of God. How many are thankful we serve a Savior not just of words, but of power? Authority to teach and authority to do. Teach and do. Say it with me. Teach and do. So let's just look at a quick journey. This is going to go quick. Matthew 4, repent. Matthew 5 through 7, teaching about the kingdom. Matthew 8 through 10, what the kingdom of God looks at gone, gone wild through the authority of Jesus. Are you ready? Sure. Matthew 8, Jesus comes down the mountain. Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and what? Touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. How many know Jesus has authority to heal by touch? Matthew 8, 7. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, I don't deserve to have you under my roof. Just say the word. Come on, someone say, just say the word. And my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I haven't found faith in Israel so great as this. Go. Let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. How many know this represents Jesus' ability to heal by his word? Come on, how many believe his word and power have in no way diminished, not even for a second? Jesus has authority to heal by his word. Going on, let's see, I told you it's quick. I'm just giving you examples. When Jesus came into Peter's, mother, Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying with a fever in bed. What did he do? He touched her. Come on, somebody. And the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. This represents his ability to heal by touch. When evening came, many who were possessed by demons were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Again, Matthew's repeating himself. Jesus has authority to heal by his word. He goes on, told you it's quick. This is just reading. You have little faith. Why are you afraid? Remember the storm in the boat? He got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and they said, what kind of man is this? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's to put it mildly. What kind of man is this? He has authority to speak to storms and they still. This is Jesus' ability to deliver us from peril by his word. Come on, who has experienced deliverance by the word of the Lord? You have to look at the question again. Remember, we're talking about this prophetic promise of Haggai 2. I'm going to raise up a king who's going to wear a ring of authority and sovereign rulership over the nations. But because even as God raised up Israel, not just for themselves, but they had a mission, a purpose to bless the world, so too the one God raised up to wear the ring didn't just have a solo mission, he had a mission for the world to restore humanity and all of creation to the Father's intention and desire. 
That's why the disciples said, what kind of man is this? He's not like a normal dude. Come on, somebody. He doesn't operate like typical humans. I don't know the last time you went out and tried to steal a storm. How did it go for you? We're going to come back to why this question is so stinking significant. This is just going through the gospel, and I'm going to, this is just all fast. He arrived on the other side of the region. They were so violent, these demon-possessed men, that no one could pass by. What do you want with us, they said. Have you come to torture us? In some distance, there was a large herd of pigs. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the pigs. He said to them, go. They came out. The whole herd rushed into the steep bank. This represents Jesus' deliverance by his word again. Again, Matthew is repeating. He's arranging his gospel to get his point across. The God who has authority to teach Christ also has the authority to enact the kingdom of God. To heal, to restore, to rescue by touch or by word. Jesus stepped into a boat. I love it. This is my favorite one. Crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, how many know faith is visible if you have it? He said to them, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, (laughs) to say your sins are forgiven Or to say, get up and walk? That's a pretty interesting question. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has what? Look at the word. Authority. Signet ring. The whole point. The Son of Man has authority on where? On earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, go home. The man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God. Who, here it is again. Who had given such authority to man. You see, God didn't just want to place a signet ring on one person. He wanted to put his ring of authority and power on a people who would be able to enact, embody, and express his kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. And where Israel failed, not just before exile, but after exile. And where all of us have failed and fallen short to use the authority that God's putting on us to bring life instead of death. Jesus emerges from the mess of human wrong misplacement and appropriation of authority. And he rises and he's the only one in human history before or since to use authority perfectly in attention with God's heart. To bring wholeness, to bring the kingdom. Forgiveness and healing by the same word. Come on. I love the question. Which is easier for Jesus? Forgiveness or healing? Trick question. Both. Beloved, I want you to know in 2019, Cornerstone Church believes that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whether you need forgiveness or you need healing, he has the ring on his finger and he's got authority to bring both. But look again at Jesus' critics. And this is the guts of the message. 
What was their accusation? And what was Jesus' response to it? Who do you think you are to say forgiveness of sins? I want you to know the Son of Man has been given authority on earth to forgive sins. Let these next sentences, they're some of my favorite ones that I've ever received. I've been chewing on for years. Jesus reveals God's image to humanity. I don't have time to say all the Bible verses that Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Amen? Come up to me after, I'll give you the references. So Jesus reveals God's what? Image. This is what God looks like. But what else does Jesus reveal? He reveals God's intention for humanity. Okay, think with me. Not only does he reveal what God looks like, he reveals God's intention for how humanity is supposed to look. This is what God's like, and this is what I've always wanted for people if they'll just let me do my work in them and through them. Do you see the difference there? Image and intention. But how many know in Jesus, they're perfectly held together? And I would propose to you that Jesus wants to reveal to us by wearing the ring of God's authority that he wants us to be recipients and stewards of that kingdom authority here and now on the earth as it is in heaven. What kind of man is this? When the crowd saw all that I've been sharing, they praised God. Why? Because he gave that kind of authority to man. Not because, whoa, look what God can do. But no, look what a man rightly oriented and aligned with God can do. Man, that's good stinking preaching. The point of the signet ring was not so that Jesus could be the exception to the rule, but he could become the standard for every disciple that follows after him. I'm going to show humanity how to walk with God for the sake of His kingdom and His love and His purposes on the earth. I'm going to perfectly steward the ring of authority that He placed on Adam, but that Adam failed to hold and steward. That Abraham failed to hold. That Noah and Moses and David, but that there was one Haggai saw 500 years before the virgin gave birth to the son, born in the city of David, who would wear and wield authority according to God's heart and plans and purposes. Whoa. This is the vocation of Jesus. This was his point. To restore our authority, to restore God's heart and intention, to restore the image of God buried beneath sin and brokenness and bondage in the hearts of humanity. That when he straightened us out on the inside, then his power could flow on the outside and bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Oh man, thank you Samuel. I'm getting an ab workout. This is fire, man. Oh, Restoring God-given authority so that we could live and express God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. I'm going to skip all of that because you get the point. He healed. Congrats. By touch. Next story. Same thing. He healed by touch. As if Matthew didn't get his point across already. Next story. Yep, he healed by touch. Next story. We don't really know. We just know he drove out the demon, whether he touched him or spoke to it. 
Amen? And here's what I want to zero in on. And then we get this summary statement from Matthew about the authority of this man who wears God's signet ring. Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. There is the authority to teach and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness, the authority to do the kingdom. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. How many know Jesus is operating in this authority to teach and to heal and to deliver and to forgive? And he's like, I need more help. You know what I mean by need? He's perfect, but he's like, I want to empower other people to do what I'm doing. The needs are so great. The brokenness of sin, the the reality of authority gone sideways, of relationships going belly up, of people not learning and knowing their identity, their purpose, their vocation as my people. I need a bunch of workers to do what I'm doing. Do you see God's heart here? I wish I could raise up laborers who would walk in the same authority that I do. Do you see the heart of the Messiah? The king? This is why he's so different. What king wants others to be able to do what he can do? No king wants others to be like him. Not in the traditional sense. They want to have the pedestal. Distance from their followers. They want to be able to say things and then not be checked on. Did they really live the thing they said? Not Jesus. All that I have, every authority, my ability, the power that's pulsating through my veins because I'm in love with the Father. I want all of that, what I walk in, to be on those who follow after me. <laughs> I want them to wear the ring with me. <laughs> I want the workers to do the same stuff. That's in the Greek. So what's the fulcrum? How does the message turn? How do you and I actually walk in this kind of authority? If that's what the signet ring promise that Haggai has in his fourth message, that a king is coming, he's going to carry God's authority. How do we do it? Faith. Say it with me. Faith. It's so important if you look at all of these moments where God's authority leaks out of Jesus onto broken humanity, Faith is always, it's always around there. Right? What did he say? Truly I tell you to the centurion, I've not found what? Such great faith. Later, when the, this is a bad example, but it was a lack of faith. But it didn't distract Jesus from calming the storm. Amen. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? When the friends brought their paralytic, what did he say? When Jesus saw their faith. Right? When Jesus saw the little the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, what did he say to her? Daughter, your faith has healed you. When the two blind men were in the house in Matthew 9, and Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? What did he say? According to your faith, let it be done to you. How many know the way to experience the authority, power, the forgiveness, the healing, the restoration that King Jesus has come to bring? It's this little word called faith. Faithing in Jesus is essential. 
or to live by believing in Jesus. What is faith? I have not found a better definition. You're welcome to email me later this week. This is my favorite. Takes the cake by a guy called Gordon Smith. Let's read it together. Faith is the act of trust. Turning from self-dependence. Pause. And self-dependence, another word is pride, which pride is the root of all sin and evil. Thank you. So faith is turning from self-dependence. You see that? To what? Keep going. To dependence on God. To turn from a life oriented towards self to one that is turned towards God. Faith means nothing if it does not represent this radical turning. In other words, repentance. Do you love that as much as I do? It's the act of truth. I love that he said it's not just a cognitive confession, I believe. It's a turning. It's a leaving the life of self-dependence to a God-dependence. You see it. So how do we access this faith? How do we get in on what the king who wears the ring rhymes? How do we experience it? Turn from self toward God. Amen. I love it. And then Jesus gives his friends a little baby taste of the authority that every disciple who will come after the cross could carry if they wanted to. I love the idea of uh, how many know, you know, like a movie trailer. <laughs> how many, when you go to the movies, you look to the friend you're going to the movie with, you're like, after the, the trailer, I want to see that. Come on, raise your hand. Ah, that looks kind of crummy. You take a bite of popcorn. Nah, not interested. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus in Matthew 10 gives his boys a little taste of the authority that you and I have access to today. The feature film that's coming. He gave them authority to drive out, to heal, to go preach the message the kingdom of God has come near. It's just a repeat of all that Jesus has been doing so far. How many know Jesus showed us how to live? That was weak. How many know Jesus taught and healed and delivered and restored and reconciled? He showed us how we were to live in light of him. I like to say it like this. He's not the exception to the rule. Yes, in his sinlessness, but he is the rule itself. He's the standard, the prototype, the pattern, the second Adam, the bearer and bringer of God's kingdom. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us the way and the truth and the life of a life lived in his spirit. Signet ring, King Jesus. This verse drives me crazy. Read it with me. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, will be like the teacher. Oh, boy. Do you see that? If Jesus is our teacher and we're his lifelong students, where are we headed to be raised up and trained to be just like our teacher? To wear the ring. To wear the ring of authority. To be people of his kingdom. Right in the midst of all the other kingdoms, all the other lies, all the other bondage and brokenness, to be a people who represent the Son of God, the King of glory, on the earth as it is in heaven. Oh, this is so good. I'm happy. Oh. 
So what happened to the authority? Can we read this out loud together? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, I like that, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Look at this. You made them, what? Over the works of your hands. You put, what? Everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. That was God's idea. Turn to your neighbor and say, it was God's idea to give this kind of authority to people that bore His image. You think God took a risk? What have we done with that authority that He gave us, friends? Help. Squandered. This is why Jesus can say, we have to remember the story. God gave humans dominion, the assignment to rule. He gave them a ring in the garden. Do you see that? Rule and subdue. Fill the earth with my purposes and glory. But how many know, when we came into agreement with the enemy that God was not as good as he promised, we gave our authority to the enemy. Do you see that? I know a lot of you are way smarter. You already know. This is repeat. Don't care. This is the only reason Jesus, the devil can say to Jesus legitimately when he led him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms. Read verse 6 with me. And he said to him, I will give you all their, what? And splendor. It has what? Been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Who gave the devil the authority of the kingdoms of the world? God? who humans so any version of the gospel that does not take seriously that God and Christ has come not just to take us to heaven somewhere someday but to bring heaven to the earth to bring his kingdom to carry his authority is a short-sighted near-sighted version of the gospel when humanity came into agreement with the devil, they gave up their authority. What you agree with has ultimate authority in your life. And we all said amen. So the question, and we're closing. We're cruising, man. Woo! So if this is what Jesus did before he died, he walked and operated in authority, what, what was the point of his death? Why did he have to roll up into Jerusalem to the palm branches and later to be mocked and robed in a scarlet robe and crown of thorns on his head and nails in his hands and feet. How would Jesus do it? How would he listen back to the Haggai prophecy? I will overthrow th thrones and kingdoms and powers and authorities. I will throw chariots. How did Jesus, how is he going to accomplish it? How, yeah, y'all are helping me. How about this? The reason the Father loves me is I lay down my life. This verse bugs me in a good way. Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, beloved. But I lay it down on my own accord. Look at the next language on purpose. I have 
to lay it down and a, to take it up. But this command I received from my father. How was God going to fulfill the prophecy of Haggai? How was he going to overthrow the son of man who both teaches and embodies a kingdom authority? He wouldn't come with the sword of his great, 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 great 14 generations, 28 generations, David. He wouldn't come with the sword. In fact, he tells his disciples, put your sword away. I have authority, but it's not an authority to be like every other king. It's authority to lay down my life so that this madness can end. Oh, I love the gospel. Now is the time for judgment on this world and its ways. Now the prince of the world, the devil, will be driven out. How? How? I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. How is he going to judge the world? How is he going to drive out the devil? By playing fire with fire? No. He, sh- he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Beloved, the point, one of the points, I'm not ignorant enough to say the point of the cross and resurrection. is <laughs> like 50. But through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus makes the authority and the life he lived available to every single person on the planet who would trust in him. The cross and the resurrection was God's judgment on evil and the ways and the works of every king and kingdom before Jesus and after Jesus. And Jesus steps in and he says, enough already. And the father, Isaiah 52.10, lays bare his holy arm in the sight of the nations. And he announces that good news is being proclaimed. God is inviting the estranged orphan humanity back into sonship and daughtership to begin to wear the royal ring of authority and the robe of righteousness to be adopted and established back in my kingdom and my family. So he dies because there's no one who is worthy. No one ever used authority according to God's plan and purposes, always for selfish gain. Jesus stands in the gap, and his resurrection was the Father saying, his cross was sufficient. What Jesus walked in and the life he lived is now available to all who will trust in him. God is going to act through Jesus to restore humanity. How many are thankful You can have your identity restored today. You can be a son or a daughter. God can place that royal priestly authority upon your life today. You may be weak in your sin, but in Christ you have the authority of heaven pulsing through your veins by the Holy Spirit. You may feel like you're wayward and wandering without a purpose, but God can give you a purpose today. The purpose always flows from relationship. It's, he'll, he'll, allow, he'll enable you to know God through Christ and the Spirit. He'll make you an ambassador, someone who does the bidding of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And then he'll go, oh, now go teach others how to become this new people. Disciple them to be just like me. This is why Matthew ends his gospel with the the infamous, this is so good. The 11 disciples went to Galilee. Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they what? They they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said, all, look at the language. In heaven and where else on earth has been 
given to me. The fulfillment of Haggai's prophecy. (laughs) God has a king who has a robe and who has a ring. And he overthrew the kingdoms of darkness through his cross. And he continues to overthrow the kingdoms of darkness through the cross. And the power of the Spirit. So go disciple and baptize and teach and train. It's for your good that I'm leaving. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come and be in you and with you. It's better that I leave the flesh so that I can take up residency inside of you by my Spirit. I would propose to you today, we have access through Christ by the Spirit in faith to live in the authority of Jesus Christ. Or we could just be morally good and decent people. Or we could be kingdom citizens who are morally good and upright and kind and all of that. But how many want to become participants in light of the God who has acted in Christ to walk in the authority of royal sons and royal daughters? That our words carry weight and our deeds back up our words. And they reflect the king that we've sworn full allegiance to. Authority flows through relationships. And when you're in relationship with the one who possesses all authority, that's a pretty good day. Come on, somebody. If he's your best friend, best friends share stuff. When Andrew comes over to my house, he goes to my pantry and raids all of the mangoes. Listen, he asked my wife if she's gone grocery shopping yet. He knows that I have authority over mangoes at Costco. Because he's in relationship with me, what I have is his. Friends, this is, this is direct correlation. We're in relationship with the God who has it all. He's got the ring. He wants to raise up an army who wield authority in the way of Jesus, in the way of the cross. <laughs> oh, I'm happy. I love the word. I just am happy. It's just the gospel. I love it every week, every day. All right. To those who believed in Jesus, he gave the right. That word is exousia in the Greek. It's authority. How do I receive his authority? Do I have to work hard? and Believe in Jesus. Turn from your sin. Receive his grace in the gospel. He gives you the exousia, the right to become a child of God. (laughs) He gives you the authority to become a royal son or daughter by trusting in Jesus, the son, the king, the Lord, who's got the ring on his finger. So, last questions. Remember all the gospel questions. Who's given authority to man? Answer, God. Wait, Who's restored such authority to man? Jesus. Who enables us to walk on the authority of God that he's given us and made available to Jesus through Jesus? (laughs) The Holy Spirit. God's idea to give people authority. Jesus' mission to restore that authority. Holy Spirit's job to make that authority a functional reality of our life if we confess Jesus. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I think they're all involved. 
the Father, Son, and the Spirit to restore us to God's original intention and plan. Yes, it starts with one who has a ring. But beloved, the nature of our King Jesus is that he wants to invite us to participate in who he is and what he's doing. The God who has acted in Jesus is the God who acts through the body of Jesus, the church. To wield and use our authority. How? To dominate, domineer, to serve, to give our lives away. Let's read this together. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So once I receive the authority, Chad, what do I do? Sign up, you're a servant. I, whoever said it, someone famous or smarter than me, we're meant to serve with the heart of a king and rule with the heart of a servant. So when we're serving, it's with the heart of a king or a queen. And when we have authority and power, whether it's in our marriages or friendships or workplace or wherever it is, we govern with the heart of a servant. Do you see that? How many know Jesus did it? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. You knuckleheads aren't all that good when you get a little authority. So you're going to need to be yoked up to the one who knows what to do with it. Amen? Amen? I'm talking to myself. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like Jesus, kingdom authority is always for the sake of others. How do you know someone is misusing or not understanding authority? They're more about them than about Jesus and his purposes. They always want to talk about themselves, me, me, me. But how many know the authority Jesus used always flowed out to blessing, healing, forgiving, showing compassion, restoring broken humanity? And I would contend I've read discipleship books here and there. This is ultimately what discipleship is all about, where we learn to follow, trust, and obey Jesus, and he reforms and fashions us into his image so that we will begin to use our royal authority for good and for his glory, not for ourselves. And we know the ultimate picture. I just, this story bugged, it just wrecked me all week. Remember in John 13 when Jesus is in the upper room with his best friends? Passover's coming, which is the, the festival that Jesus would be slaughtered as the lamb to deliver humanity, save and redeem. And he has a meal with his best friends. And what does it say? In verse 3 it says that God the Father placed all power. Everything in heaven and earth was already placed in the Son's hands. In light of that knowledge of having every, every ounce of power, what does Jesus do? He gets out of the table. He disrobes. He gets on his knees. And he washes the stinky, filthy feet of his disciples. 
Beloved, Jesus has flipped every version and vision of authority, power, and leadership on its head. He washed their feet. And he told them, guys, you don't understand right now what I just did for you, but you will. And then he closes with this. I love it. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's right, because that's what I am. Look at this. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, the one who has all authority, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Read these last two verses with me. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That last verse, just like a spear in my side this week in the secret place. How many know but are not operating in what you claim to know? Jesus is inviting us into a lifestyle of authority and service. Now that you know, do it. Practical point. Believe in Jesus. Receive his grace. Be restored to the Father. Receive the authority of a royal son and daughter. And with that authority, give your life away. Let the attitude and mindset of Jesus permeate everything you say, think, and do. These are just a couple of things that are basically from the Sermon on the Mount. So get mad at Jesus. When you want to fight and get even, forgive. That's what it practically looks like to wield kingdom authority. When you want to judge and be critical, show compassion and ask the Spirit to help you grow in empathy. When you want to run away and hide when it gets difficult, when someone offends you or hurts you, I'm talking directly to myself, stay and commit to a covenant family. Warts, wrinkles, and all. And how many know there's plenty of warts, wrinkles, and all? <laughs> when you want to strike back, turn the other cheek and shock your enemy. When you want to hoard and keep, give and grow in generosity. When you want to use your power for your own ends, for your own gains, use that power to raise someone else up and empower them to win. When you want to coerce and manipulate, confess your addiction to control things. And receive Christ's authority to serve through love in the cross. Every one of those were ripped out of the gospel, by the way. They're not wishy-washy suggestions. This is the way the kingdom operates. This is the kingdom that the king who wears Haggai's prophetic signet ring, this is the kingdom he embodied, expressed, and says, come and participate in. He wants to place that authority on our life today. And he wants us to build this kind of community. Come on, how many are desperate to see a kingdom community built and established right here in this place and through this place in this city and region? God is the main author and the main actor in the story. God is going to act, and God has acted through Jesus. 
to restore humanity to the authority, the purpose, and identity, and plan of the Father all along. And now God is acting in the world through his people who have sworn full allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, who've carried their crosses with them, and who are learning to wield and exercise authority in the way of Jesus. How many are here today, you're like, dude, I've got plenty of areas to grow in. Because <laughs> I could do an altar call, but I think it would touch everybody. Because <laughs> how many know we don't do this well always? You think there's a reason why the only time the disciples asked for more faith was when Jesus said, in the context of the community of the kingdom, when your brother sins against you, you need to forgive them seven times, 70 times. Because we don't always do it right. But how many know it's still his heart to place his royal authority and power upon his people so that the kingdom of heaven will come on the earth as it is in heaven. So, pick up your cross with me today. Pick up a shovel, some work gloves. Put on your steel-toed boots. We got work to do. Hebrews 11 says that there is a city whose builder and architect is God. But you and I get to build toward that city right now by being a kingdom community in the way of Jesus and his cross. Yes, it's a hodgepodge, funky, messy community called the church. But that's because you're in it. And because I am in it. Because we're weird. We're broken. But we're being restored and healed and reconciled to God in Christ. (laughs) We're learning to receive and steward the authority and power of His kingdom. How many know, what if you were the person who if you started to step out in that authority, if someone saw you take the risk, they would have courage to do the same thing in their workplace? What if instead of hoarding, you became a person that you demonstrated you can trust God with your finances and you unleashed a tidal wave of generosity for the kingdom of God to be established in this moment? What if instead of fighting and getting even, you became a billboard of someone who's willing to forgive and make amends instead of to retaliate and run? Oh, that's the kingdom of God, man. last thought by abiding in Jesus obeying his word and practicing his ways you and I can live as royal sons and daughters and we can continue the work of his kingdom building toward the city whose builder and architect is God we can learn to steward and lean in to use the power and authority that Jesus taught and demonstrated and then made available through the cross and resurrection Jesus wants to bring life to our families. He wants to bring life to our bodies. He wants to bring life to our workplaces. He wants to bring life to our church. He wants to bring life in the city through a people who learn to submit to the one who holds the ultimate ring, who's overthrown the powers and principalities through death and resurrection, and who says, follow me.
Stand up on your feet. I know that was, well, it's a good word. I mean, God has acted in Christ, but beloved, I would be doing a disservice to the passage of Haggai 2 if I didn't say, God is going to come again in Jesus and throw, overthrow the last enemy to be conquered, which is death itself. 1 Corinthians 15. How many know he's coming again? That's why there's an intensity to the message today. You've got to know who you are in Jesus. You've got to begin to walk in that authority that Jesus modeled and then paid for. Why? Because the time is a coming when Jesus comes. Again, literally, splitting the sky, right? Remember, every prophetic message is fulfilled in stages, most of them, right? He has come, but he is coming, right? How many know the church got work to do? To know Christ, to fully devote and buy into the community called the church, and then to extend his mission in the world. You can't separate any of the three or you've got a short-sighted version of the gospel. To know Christ, to devote yourselves to a body, to a people, concrete. These things can't be theories. They've got to be practiced. As weak as our practice is, how many know that's why it's called practice? And then to extend his mission and purposes on the earth. And we'll work and give ourselves to it, learning as we go, every step. But Christ will come again. He will come. Oh, so let's just pray. Jesus. Yeah, just talk to him. I don't know. There's been a lot, but this theme has been pretty similar. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you authority. He wants to bring you in as a kingdom family member. He wants to release his kingdom authority to both teach and embody and do and live the lifestyle that he modeled for us. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would not just stir your people, but that you would literally place a royal robe and ring upon them this morning. Father, I pray that your authority, your anointing would fall upon our church. God, that we wouldn't in some egotistical, macho way go out of this place, say, I got all of, we would receive the authority to go walk in the way of Jesus, of humble, cross-shaped love. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill our church with the authority of Jesus, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. God, our families need healing. Our workplaces need restoration. Our finances need breakthrough. Our bodies need healing. Holy Spirit, I pray that all that Jesus has made available through his blood, through the resurrection, and by the Spirit today would be appropriated by faith to our faith family, and not just to us in here, but through us out there. God, I pray for your anointing to rest, your spirit to fill and then leak out of us everywhere we go today. 
and the week ahead. God has acted through Christ to restore authority to humanity by restoring humanity to God. And now through the church to further the mission of his kingdom in the world as a kingdom family. So Lord, just send us from this place in hope. May we invite many people to hear the gospel again next week for Easter as we have a party of resurrection. God, I ask your anointing and blessing to rest, your healing, your forgiveness to flow over our body today. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. If you need to work this out and need someone to talk or pray with you, come on up. If not, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Love you guys.